May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Those are the first five verses of Psalm 20, which along with Psalm 21 are the psalms appointed for today, August 28, 2021. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and John Green, and I'm your host. We're continuing our look at Solomon, and in the book of First uh, Kings, seven, chapter seven, uh, verse fifty-one through chapter eight, verse twenty-one. We're also looking at the end of the book of Acts, uh, so it's Acts twenty-eight, seventeen to thirty-one, and then the Gospel according to Mark, um, chapter fourteen, verses forty-three to fifty-two. So. What we've got in this first lesson, in the, in the lesson from First Kings, is is that Solomon, all the work that Solomon did on the house of the Lord was finished, and he brought in the things that David his father had dedicated, the silver, the gold, the vessels, and stored them in the treasuries in the house of the Lord. So it, it would be like this is the, this is where the altar guild, <laughs> who would be the Levites, um, would would keep their things to bring them out whenever the the occasion uh, called for those things. So then Solomon assembled all the elders of Israel, the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, before him in Jerusalem to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. <clears throat> so they're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant is now going to come up to um, Jerusalem. And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the priests took up the Ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. The priests and the Levites brought them up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were there with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they couldn't be counted or numbered. What a great day this must have been, a great time in in Jerusalem to, to see the, the temple finished and then bringing up the ark of the covenant and everything that had been the place of worship for over almost 500 years at this point and and now all this is coming into the city and and they are a people an established people finally in some ways because they have a city and they have a temple they have a walled city and a temple and so they all come and the priests brought the ark of the covenant to the lord of the lord to it to place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim which are on the the covering for the ark the kippurette for the ark for the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the ark so that the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles and the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary but they could not be seen from outside. So in the place where the place where the showbread was, where the altar of incense was, where the candelabras, the menorah stood, in that place, the holy place, the, the ends of the poles that, that were used to carry the ark, remember what happened before when Uzzah reached up, touched the ark in order to steady it. They were not carrying it on poles at that point. They had it on, the, on a cart. And so I don't know how they set it onto the cart, but at this point now it's carried through these poles that went through the sockets that would have been on the sides of the ark and the priests, the Levites, carried that. 
<clears throat> that way. And so those poles, it said, were so long they extended into the holy place from the most holy place. And they're there to this day. We don't know when exactly this was written. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Oreb when the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And so, you know, you remember probably in the past there were other things in the ark. There were two other things in the ark, actually. There was a pot of the manna that sustained him in the wilderness. And then there was Aaron's staff, which had budded, which proved that he was the chosen priestly leader. And in Hebrews 9... It speaks of those things being in the ark as well. But here we're told, at least by this point, that those things are not in the ark at this point in time. So we don't know how all that worked. Perhaps they were taken out by the Philistines when they captured the ark. Or perhaps those things were generally not in the ark, except for when it was being moved from place to place. And then there was before the ark. We just don't know the answer to that but it but the but the writer here is very clear there's nothing in the ark except the two tablets of stone that were put there at Horeb so when the priests came out of the holy place a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that all the priests could stand not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord what an incredible poignant moment that would be that 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 God was with them the power of the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory of God shining in the temple in this cloud like it was in the wilderness. So this generation now gets to experience what their fathers almost 500 years before had experienced in the wilderness. And Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness. I've indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. And then the king turned and blessed all the assembly of Israel while the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who... With his hand has fulfilled what he promised to, with his mouth to my father David, saying, Since the day that I brought these people out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son, who shall be born to you, shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled the promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David my father and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have provided a place for the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And so it's the renewal of the covenant, but more than that, it's the renewal of God's promise. And he fulfilled that promise. And now what he's doing is saying, you did the right thing. This is my dwelling place. In a way that it had not been for all that time that they were there in the wilderness. That there was not this kind of sign. And so it validated what Solomon did in building this temple here in Jerusalem. When the cloud fills the, temp the temple and all the people can see it. Just as their fathers had done nearly 500, well over 500 years now um, earlier in the wilderness it's it's a powerful powerful moment so in the gospel lesson remember they had gone to the mount of olives and then he had taken james and peter and john and they had gone over to the garden of gethsemane which is in that same area and so they went there and jesus prayed that 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 the father would spare him from what was to come and we know that he set his face to that and he knew that that prayer was not going to be answered and so 
here in the gospel immediately while he was yet still speaking saying my betrayer is here the hour is at hand judas came one of the twelve and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders now the betrayer had given them a sign saying the one i will kiss is the man seize him and lead him away under guard there would have been many people out there in the Mount of Olives and in that area, because I mentioned this before, that, that during the Passover feast, for instance, which is a pilgrim feast that they're required to make, that, that the, the requirement includes that they have to remain in the city of Jerusalem. And so the boundaries of Jerusalem had to be extended because the number of pilgrims who were there, and so they extended those boundaries out to the Mount of Olives. So, you know, Jerusalem just couldn't accommodate that many people in the city proper. So the boundaries are extended out there uh, in order that everybody can fulfill their obligation. And and so essentially people are camping out there is probably the best way to say it. There's so many people out there that, that Judas has to say, I'll take you to the specific one. And, and they're doing this under cover of darkness because they know that if they tried to do anything in the temple during the day, the people would have turned on them and there's no way they could have gotten away with what they did. So they're coming to get him when he's out and alone, or more or less alone. And so when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. I just, that, that kind of betrayal to me is just something I can't even wrap my head around, that you would do something like this. Um, but he did. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, what we're told in, in another gospel is, is that 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 was restored, that Jesus restored the man's ear. And here, though, we don't get that. And Jesus says to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching. You didn't seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Judas betrayed him to the soldiers, but this betrayal here when they all flee, that, that just, uh, it turns my stomach. To think about it, you know, to, to, to put yourself in the shoes of the one who is now being arrested and to see everybody around you who has believed in you, who has followed you, has been your close companion for the last three years. They all turn and flee. It just, it, it, it makes me sick to read it. And then we get to the end of it. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. I can remember years ago. Um, I mean, a long time ago, we were in Knoxville, we were in Church of the Ascension, and we, and we were sitting there, and, and I remember this gospel lesson being read in service, at, and a good, well, some a couple that we knew, not really, really well, to be honest with you, at that time, Suzanne knew the wife much better than I knew the husband, we both, for some bizarre reason, turned and looked at one another, the husband and I did, and then later we had a conversation. Have you ever noticed that before? And like I said, we, it wasn't like he and I were good friends or anything like that. We, we, you know, we had speaking acquaintance and whatever. But what's interesting is, is that that within the next couple of years, both of us ended up in seminary. And, and it, but it was so strange that that out of all the the four hundred or so people who would have been there that day, I, 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 I hear this and I'm thinking that is so weird. And I don't look at Suzanne and say something about it. I look at this guy, Greg, who is now a priest down in um, in South Carolina. But the two and, and and he's looking at me, 
Now, I don't know that we had had any significant conversations about what we knew about the Bible and didn't know before ever, but it's just, it was, I still have this vivid recollection of that, and it still remains one of the strangest things because there was no reason in our history that we would have looked at one another in, in shock and, and amazement that that was there. So just every time I read this, I think about that moment. But, the, but what, they, what everybody believes is that this person, this young man who runs away naked, is actually Mark, the writer of the gospel and that he is placing himself in the story here to say that, that, that I'm a, I was a first-hand witness of this. So in the Acts passage, we're coming to the very end of the book of Acts here, and, and Paul is now, remember, in Rome. And so what he does, he'd been there three days, and he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and he, he makes his uh, case to them because he's he basically he's saying, I don't know what you heard, but brothers, I'd done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers. Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I've asked to see you and speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And, and they, these leaders, these Jewish leaders in Rome, respond by saying, we've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, which would be Christianity, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. You know, if you had said, which side of history do you want to be on, you would not have said, I want to be on the Christian side, because uh, contemporaneously, people would have said, that's the wrong side of history. That's not going to persevere. Everybody hates it. It's spoken badly of everywhere. And so that, that was what they had heard. And so they appointed a day for him, and they came to him in his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced, but others disbelieved. They disagreed among themselves, and they left Paul after Paul had made one statement. And here's his statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So, in, in other words, you, your heart is darkened. The Lord's no longer dwelling in thick darkness. He's dwelling in the light. And you refuse to hear it. And, and it's the thing, you know, people ask me sometimes, why do you listen to so much rabbinic teaching? And it's because I believe that, that they're continuing to seek after truth. And so the Lord's revealing things still to this day to them that points to Jesus. But if they've ruled out Jesus on the front end as Messiah, then, then their hearts are, are stopped from seeing that truth. I mean, you got, they got to get red-pilled, essentially. But it's, it's true in so many aspects of our lives. We, we, this confirm, the power of confirmation bias. In other words, I, if I believe something, then I'm likely to believe something that supports that, that truth and that worldview. It, it's... And, and I'm willing then, therefore, to believe anything, whether it's whether the wool's being pulled over my eyes about this or not, with true or false, I'm willing to believe it simply because I already believe it. And now this points in that direction, and, and, and it's so strong. 
in American politics today, that's that's what you see. It, depending on whether you're on the right or the left, you'll see things in a certain way. And you're willing to believe nearly any narrative that supports what you already believe. And, and that's what's going on here. If you've already decided that Jesus is not the Messiah, then, then it's very difficult for evidence to penetrate that, that, that which contradicts what you already believe. And it, it requires one thing, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not knowledge. It's not understanding. It's not all that. It's the Holy Spirit that allows you to understand. So be thankful today if you believe. Be truly thankful because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit in order that you might believe. And so Paul stays two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's our call. Our call is no matter what our situation might be, we're called there to proclaim the the kingdom of God and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ. So that my injunction to you today is to do that very thing, to recognize that, that as the Holy Spirit filled the temple at the time of, of the dedication by Solomon, so now that same Holy Spirit lives within you. You are more powerful than you understand. You have more access to knowledge than, than every other person on earth who does not possess the Holy Spirit. So, so be bold, be strong, do not fear, and be courageous.